Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today we're tackling the topic of how to hire a property manager, much less hire, but how to actually select the right person to get the most out of your asset. We talked to podcast favourite and returning guest, Hayley Mitchell who's, a, Mitchell, who's an absolute guru in the property management space. She now trains property managers. And I ask her questions like, is the number of rental properties that the property manager manages important? What about staff turnover? What about how they handle rental reviews? What about additional charges? And how do you actually tell... This person is going to be the right person to manage your hard-won investment portfolio. It's an awesome interview with Haley, and I recommend to listen to anyone that's looking at hiring a property manager. Here's Haley. Haley Mitchell, thanks for joining me back on Geared for Growth. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always fun, and I have to get you on anytime we're talking anything property management because you're the pre-eminent PM guru, trainer of the trainers. So when the topic came up of how to select a property manager, I didn't want to talk to anybody else. Now, if I can start with some of the things that perhaps landlords kind of think, well, this is a really clear kind of yes or no um, answer to whether they're going to be a good PM or not. The number one that, that I think people understand is the number of rentals. So there's a magic figure of, I don't know if it's 100 or 200 managements that a property manager is looking after. If it's over that amount, they're overworked and the service is going to be crap. If it's under that amount, well, they're just trying to grow the rent roll and it's going to go up anyway. So the service I get in the beginning might be good and then it sort of tapers off. What can, what can you tell us about that number and, and does it even matter? It, there's so many variables when you work out the number because you might have a property manager that manages 300 properties, for example, but they're the senior property manager in a pod. So they have an assistant property manager working with them. So technically, if you then go, okay, well, there's two people working on that one portfolio, it actually works out to 150 pets clients per property manager but when you look at the initial number you might get scared and say well 300 no one can possibly do that Um, I couldn't do 300 on my own with no support so I think that that is a very high number but if you did have assistance and you do have admin support leasing support then that number can vary as well so when you're asking a property manager how many properties do you manage you actually have to ask how is the department set up because you could also have a property manager who manages, say, uh, 150, but they do all of their own leasing, all of their own admin, all of their VCAT, everything from start to finish. Or you could have a property manager that has 100, but then has assistance and support, and they're different. You've got to work out how many are in the whole department and then work out how many that then proportions down to per property manager. That's interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I've never really kind of thought about it that way. Um, On the same topic, I'm I'm guessing it depends on your location as well. So if you're in an area where there's a lot of high rise, you might manage eight in the one building, which is really easy. Or if you're in a regional location, you might manage properties that are 45 minutes either side of town. So when you factor in that commute, um, that makes a difference. Because I can remember 
trying to refer a property manager um, to a landlord back in the day and they said, oh, you know, that's, that's about 32 minutes away, so that's a bit far. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and as quantity surveyors, we go miles, right? But they're sort of saying, well, you do it once. We do it every time we have to lease, every time we have to do an inspection. So there's, there's those little considerations to it as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also because you have to have really good trades. So if you're working outside your area and you need to get a plumber in, you're going to have to rely on a referral from someone else to give you a plumber in that area, for example, because your local guy is not going to want to travel like you do. Um, so that's where it can get really, really tricky. So we do see that a lot. And one of my earliest um, jobs when I got into real estate 20 odd years ago, I actually worked for a large agency that built a lot of high rise in a city. So as a property manager, you would be given one or two high rises. You know, so you could have 200 properties in one building. So instead of only having like one building, often what they would do is give you two buildings to look after but you'd have leasing support, admin support and assistant property manager as well. So you run as a like little pod and little team and there's no travel. Um, and often those property managers don't even need a car because they're based in the base of one of the buildings. <laughs> so that sort of thing becomes really, really easy. I used to have a Melbourne rent roll a few years ago and I had properties all over Melbourne. And, you know, I would sometimes have to go from Edithdale to Clifton Hill, you know, and that was the spread of my portfolio. So I really had to take into account that travel aspect. Um, and as a property manager, I'd always try and not travel uh, in peak periods, uh, particularly if you're trying to cut across town. So it really does come into it when you look at how many people can manage, because if you're in a car half a day, uh, traveling to and from your properties, it really does make the amount that you can manage a lot smaller. So that begs the question, is this a good question to ask a property manager to know whether they're going to be right for you or not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to try and get someone who, if they've got to travel or they've got a big spread of pro properties in their portfolio, that they've got a smaller number that they look after. Um, and also be aware that if they're not always going to be sitting at their desk as much as someone who had more of a local portfolio, so if you're trying to get them or you want a quicker response from someone like that, you're probably not going to get it because when they're on the road, we're not allowed to use our phones in the car. Mm. I actually can't wait till we have driverless cars because hopefully by then we can just work on our laptop as the car drives us around, but that's okay. <laughs> Haven't come yet. Um, but, yeah, that definitely does come into account when you're looking at um, how many people can manage. Good. Okay, we've got one good question to ask. Well, two there because of the setup with the pods as well. That's kind of like a 1A at least. And, and a bugbear that most landlords have probably experienced if they've had a rental property for any amount of time is staff turnover. Is that mm. a worthwhile question? Because I know people sort of hate the fact that, you know, they don't know who's looking after it. I mean, I've had properties where the property manager has changed over, but no one actually even mentioned it. it, it how could you ask this question and, and what would be a good metric of time in the seat, for example? <sighs> At the moment, it, it is uh, really, really hard to get and retain property managers. The industry changed a lot over the last few years and 
not only was it the legislation changes in Victoria, but we obviously had COVID as well, which um, really did create a lot of uh, stress for property managers. So we did find that a lot of people jumped out of the industry and there has been a lot of churn since then. What that has created is an opportunity, I guess, for people to really shop around for the right job. And what we find is the property manager will get into a seat and then they'll be like, yeah, it's not quite the, the feel that I want for an agency and they'll go to somewhere else and somewhere else. So we're, we're seeing a lot more of that, whereas people used to stay a lot longer in positions. What I do find, though, in a lot of regional locations, you do tend to find that property managers stay for longer periods of time. And I did some training last week and quite a few PMs in there were like, I've been in the same agency 10 years and seven years, like, but you don't generally find that so much in the city. What I would more look at is what is the way that the department is structured? Do they have a head of department who has been in that seat for a long period of time? because you wanna make sure that they've got, I guess, a little bit more control at that upper level so that yes, you might have a different property manager coming through from time to time, but you've got someone who's been with the business for a long period of time that has a really intimate knowledge of that business and all of the clients as well. So it, it's, a, it's a hard one at the moment, I think just because we have that, had that massive churn in the industry. Um, I would love it if you'd have you know, property managers that have been 12 months plus in their seat but uh, in reality, it's not happening that much at the moment. There is a lot of movement. Yeah, well, okay. But that's good advice on the on sort of the department head. What about mm. questions like how do you manage your rental reviews? Like I'm wondering if that's a question as distinct from, say, your um, your yearly checks or your – what is it, the maintenance? No, the um, – Condition Routine. reports, sorry. Oh, yeah. We'll get there in the end. I mean, there's legislation <laughs> around how often you need to do certain things like that. Um, are those questions, rental reviews, maintenance um, or management reports? Yeah, absolutely. So things like rent reviews, lease renewals, how do you look after maintenance? How do you um, attend to rental arrears? How often do you tell me if there is an issue with rental arrears? Because often what happens if a renter is late with rent, the property manager is really proactive with the renter, but they forget to tell the owner. Then the owner's and they're going, why don't I have my money? Um, so you want to find out what their level of communication is going to be with you so that you can ensure that they're actually doing the job that they need to do in order to keep your investment at the highest possible level that it can be. So rent reviews, we can, in Victoria, do every um, 12 months and we have to give at least 60 days notice. So a proactive property manager should be looking at those at least three months prior to the end of lease. And what they'll be doing is they'll look at the rent review, the market rate, how much a rent can increase. And they'll also look at locking in great tenants for another 12 month period. So you, that wants to that needs to be looked at or start the process at least three months before. Otherwise, they won't have enough time to negotiate all of these, you know, the new lease and the rent review. Um, and as an investor, that can affect your financial um, performance of the property. If, you're, if they've waited too long and they haven't hit that rent increase on time and serving it two months later than it could have been, then that increase is no longer in your pocket. It's actually just gone. So really, really important to work out how they stay on top of those tasks that need to be done that affects the performance of the investment. That's that's really interesting and, and I scribbled down a few notes and hadn't really thought about rental arrears but it's a huge one because, mm. you know, 
it's it's a confronting situation, right? To say to somebody, "You owe us money. Where is my money?" <laughs> like some I people would money. be, yeah, I want my money. Some people are going to be good at that, and some people are going to avoid it because it's confrontation, right? So you kind of want to mm. know, all right, well, what is your system? What have you got in place? Maybe even. Have, can you give us an example of how you've dealt with rental arrears? I mean, this is starting like a job interview, but this is important, right? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Yeah, definitely. And rental arrears is an area that uh, I think sometimes people don't set the, I guess, guidelines at the start of the tenancy. So my whole spiel with rental arrears uh, with my rent rollers, we we do uh, rental payments monthly in advance via direct debit. So the day that your rent is due, we will take that money out of your account. If your uh, rent defaults for any reason, I will know on day two. So on day two, you'll receive a phone call from me and I will say your rent is defaulted. You need to pay it today via VPay um, plus the dishonour fee. If you pay it today via VPay, I won't tell the owner. They won't even have to know about it because you've paid me and the owner will still get paid out in accordance with the parameters I've explained to them. However, if you don't pay it today, that's something I have to go back to the owner and let them know. Um, and every time your rent is late, this will affect your rental history. And the, the, it's very difficult to get a property. Uh, there's a shortage of rental properties. And one of the questions that all property managers ask is, give me a copy of a tenancy ledger. If they see a ledger that has late rental payments on it consistently, they will look at that and say, no, I can't rent to that renter. So it really does affect their ability to move forward in the future. So if you explain that from the beginning and explain the exact same spiel to the the, um, rental provider at the beginning as well, everyone's really clear about when and how they'll be communicated with. And I found that I had very few rent arrears because I was so upfront about what our procedure was. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, often we hear people giving good feedback from landlords about their property managers, but I've always thought the best property managers get good feedback from the landlords and the tenants, right? Because you're there to sort of help and support them. I mean, they're they're paying the rent, they're they're paying your fee in a sense, right? So it's 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 got to be a nice balance where you're kind of saying, look, this is this is my expectation. This is what needs to happen. I want to try and help you out, but just to let you know, like this could get you into trouble down mm. the track. So, you know, work with me here. Exactly. And I always had really good relationships with most of my tenants and most of my um, landlords as well. And you're never going to have everyone that loves you. I get it. Um, but if you deliver a high level of service and you're open and transparent, then people trust you. So, and I was always happy if someone rang me and said, I can't pay my rent today because of this reason. It is fine. I'll put the rent on hold until I can pay and I'll have that communication back with the landlord to let them know. I would much prefer that to keep those lines of communication open than a renter just going, oh, I don't want to talk to her. She's always so nasty to me, so I just won't pay my rent. Mm. And that's why I just don't think I had many issues with rent because we had that open conversation at the start. Yeah, that's awesome. What about... 
when it comes to the person, let, let's say you've got a, an investment property and you've got three property managers coming out and giving you a rental appraisal and sort of saying, look, this is why you should work with XYZ agency. Up until recently, I didn't really understand that that person that's coming to do that presentation is 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 increasingly less likely to be your actual property manager because firms will employ these people that are better salespeople than better day-to-day managers. It could be a completely different personality type, right? Is yeah. th- w- What should an investor know about that? And is that a good or a bad practice? What, what do you think? Yeah, it just depends on the, the way it's handed over more than anything. So the business development manager, which is kind of the common term, um, is someone who is a salesperson for the rental department. So they go out, they prospect, they list, and then they hand over any properties that they have brought in under management to the property manager. So I have no problem with BDMs. I think they're brilliant at the way they um, list and and integrate properties into the agency. But there has to be a really good handover from the BDM to the property manager. So if you do have a BDM that's coming out and they're not going to be the people managing your property every day, ask some questions about who the property manager is who will be looking after it. How long have they been in the industry? When do you get an opportunity to meet them face-to-face? so that you can make sure that you build the rapport with the person that's going to be managing the property rather than just going, oh, Sally will be looking after it, here's her phone number. So it's got to be a really good integration and and a good BDM will always take the property manager to meet the client before they sign up. So I have no problem with BDMs. I think they're really, really good, but we've got to make sure that handover is really done correctly. And will the BDMs always disclose that? If you sign up with us, I won't be your day-to-day contact or to, can that come as a surprise to investors? A good BDM will. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Yeah. And look, it could sometimes come as a surprise if it just didn't come up in conversation. But I used to be the, when I had an agency, I was the director of the agency. So I went out and did the new business and I always handed on to the property manager and I just explained it in my appraisals that I will list the property I own the business but I won't be managing day to day but my property managers are really skilled they've got small portfolios and we work in a small office so I can always hear what's going on Um, so if you ever have any questions you can absolutely come to me but you'll find that you won't need to because your property managers are highly skilled and be able to look after everything for you and I never had any issues at all. Mm, There you go well that's simple enough. What about um additional charges is it is this something that property managers are kind of using as a way to gain business i.e our flat fee is x but then once you look into the fine print you know there's all these extras that aren't similar extras in other agencies yeah it's fees are a really interesting one and and i I think like he said before you know about selecting an agent never ever select an agent purely on that fee because you will often have a um, agency who will, I mean, the normal rate, and I'll say normal, um, is anywhere kind of between six and eight percent across Victoria, and that's a mixture of kind of regional um, and metro, and some are slightly higher and some are lower. But we do find that there are um, agencies who are really cutting the fee, and in order to cut the fee they're not able to deliver the level of service that someone with potentially a higher fee could. Because if I'm putting on a management at, say, 5%, 
Um, and my property manager would therefore have to manage more properties per property manager in order for me to still run a profitable business. Mm. So what we're seeing is um, some agencies are dropping those fees and then hire and and then adding higher additional fees onto it. So things like your advertising, you know, admin, end of financial year fees, uh, VAT fees. Um, compliance fees. I mean, there's a massive list of different fee options that they can charge. Um, if you're uncomfortable with any of the fees, just have a conversation. If you really like the person that you're sitting down in front of and you think this is a person, this is the one that's going to look after my property the best, but their fee is an issue, have a conversation about the particular fee which is concerning you and then you can judge response. So, um, be wary of the agent who will just go, yeah, no problem, I'll drop my fee, because that means that they're not willing to get in, get in there and negotiate for you if something turns wrong. You know, you want someone that's willing to back themselves and stand by the fees and charges that they charge. Yeah, that's 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 great advice. I, I've learned quite a lot, Haley. <laughs> let's um, let's see if we can cap this all off with say your best three tips you're a you're a property investor that's got three people booked to come and speak to you this afternoon what are the what are the three biggest tips that you can give for either questions or or ways to suss out who you should be working with um first of all you need to go on your gut feeling so um Example of that is I sold a property recently and it's really funny when you're an agent, you have to go through something like a sale because you're judging because you know the inside out of the way the industry works. But I actually had three agents or four agents, I think, in the end that did proposals. And um, one of the agents who we ended up going with who just did the most brilliant job, I can't fault them at one, they just did really, really well for us. But he actually had the highest fee. And when I was sitting down at the appraisal, I said to him, you know, what are your fees and charges? Ran through it all. And he said, Hayley, I'll be honest with you. This is my fee. And this is my fee that I charge everyone. I don't negotiate because I deliver a high level of service, which is superior to my competitors. And I know my competitors will be cheaper, but if you want me to be on the end of the phone to answer your call whenever you need it, then I need to charge this fee because it means I don't have to take on as much stock as what other agents do make the same amount of money. And that actually really resonated with me because that is something that I did throughout my career as well is that I wasn't the cheapest agent out there, but I know I delivered a really good level of service. So that's an example of where um, an agent would back themselves with the fee that they've just said that they're going to charge. Um, so go with your gut feeling as well. Um, ask questions about the structure of a business and don't be afraid of it. And and a good property manager or a good BDM will be really transparent about their agency and how everything works. And then make sure that they've also discussed things about the legislation. It's really important if you have a few questions that you can ask them about legislation. And if you're listening, you're from Vic, you know, good questions to ask is, you know, what are my requirements when it comes to minimum standards, safety checks, mandatory disclosure? Because you want a BDM or a property manager that can answer those questions for you really quickly because it shows that they've got a really good knowledge of the legislation and the changes that came through in our Act last year. So they're, they're probably my top three things that I would ask for um, at an appraisal uh, appointment. 
That's absolutely fantastic. And anyone that uh, is currently working with the property manager, it's a good good time to perhaps check to see you know, if there are answers uh, or any questions that you have that haven't been answered as yet along these lines. And of course, if you're looking at employing one, uh, definitely be worth a refresher to listen to this again uh, before engaging someone. It's, uh, it's awesome having you on, Hayley. Thanks for your support and uh, sharing all of your gold today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Cheers.